I was thinking about um, the fact that in St. Clair Shores, there are about 50,000 people that live in St. Clair Shores. Um, don't know the numbers for Harrison Township, East Point, Roseville, Warren, Clinton Township, kind of all the cities we all live in. But I estimate there's about 10% of residents that will go to church on a Sunday morning. Just 10%. So 90% are not going to church. If you take St. Clair Shores alone, that's 45,000 people that are not worshiping God with the church. That's a staggering number if you really think about it. There's usually two reasons why someone doesn't go to church. Number one, ignorance. Number two, apathy. Now let me explain. I'm not saying people are ignorant. I'm saying they are ignorant to the fact that we are here. We exist. And I sometimes am baffled by that because have they not seen our signs when they drive by? We have lots of signage that people can see, but, but they just don't know. Sometimes you, you, don't know, um, you don't know what you're looking for until you see it kind of a thing. The other thing is apathy. Apathy means not, there's not an interest. There's an indifference um, for what we have for them. And when you come in here for the first time, you, you might um, feel like, wow, what a nice building. But really, we know the church is not a building. The church is people, right? The body of Christ. And I think we have great people here. What do you think? Yeah. I thought so. So there's this challenge of overcoming ignorance and apathy for 45,000 people just in St. Clair Shores. How do we do that? The best way is for you to join the mission field. To, for you to join the mission field, which is our title, and you can see it up on the screen. And I know that when I say that to people, join the mission field, it probably freaks some of you out because you think I'm going to ask you to go to a third world hostile country and serve Jesus there. But that's not what I'm saying at all. You see, about 18 years ago, God called me to the public school mission field. I had to go back to school, get a teaching certificate, and I served, taught math in a, in a high school for 16 years, but I did it because God called me to that mission field, because I heard a guy say, as I was listening to a youth minister, say that the public schools are one of the biggest mission fields, and God turned up the volume, and I heard that loud and clear, and I heard that as a calling to join the mission field. And that's what I did. And for 16 years, I pointed people to Jesus. Now, in a public school, I couldn't come out and teach you know, certain things, but I, I was able to um, host a Christian club in my room. I ministered, prayed with teachers. I've married former students. You know, I, 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 I've done the ceremony, I should say. I'm married to this woman right here. I always have to be careful when I say that. My point is, is that in my time in the mission field, I was constantly battling the ignorance and the apathy for what church is all about. The younger generation, many of them have never been to a church, a healthy church. They've never been to a Bible-teaching church like you'll see today, and they just don't know what they don't know. And so there's that battle of, of, of constantly being on the mission field and, and pointing people to Jesus. So God needs you to be on the mission field, and this morning I hope you'll see that 
to join the mission field, it's really as easy as pie. Don't you love that expression? It's as easy as pie. P-I-E. Pray, right? Pray. It's a, it should be up on the, on the thing here. Identify and engage. And I'm going to walk you through this because in Matthew chapter 10, which is where we're at going through the Gospels, you're going to see that that's what Jesus taught his disciples. Pray, identify, and engage. So it's as easy as pie. I feel like I keep getting some feedback. I don't know if we can fix that just a little bit on the high end there. But in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus calls his disciples and sends them out. Now, if you understand kind of the ministry of Jesus with the 12 disciples, and there were other disciples, as we will see as we go through the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus had a very simple philosophy in ministry. He said, watch me, and then he said, join me, and then he said, now you go, and I'll help you. It was very simple ministry. And so we're kind of at this point now where where Jesus is sort of in the joining me phase. He's saying, you know, go out and and serve, and and I'll kind of, you know, we'll be in this together, and, and then we'll talk about it. And this is like about, you know, we're at the end of year two of Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry. So in Matthew 10, we're going to see how Jesus taught his disciples it's easy as pie to join the mission field. And I want to get into it and, and show you the scriptures here. In Matthew 10, if you have your Bibles with you, if you need a free Bible, we have them for anyone that needs a Bible. On the back uh, table where the TV is back there, you're welcome to have a Bible. But before we get into it, I want to pray, but I need to know if you're ready. Are you ready? Say, we ready. ready. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the power of your word, that your Holy Spirit that moved the men who moved the pen can speak to us today, that these are not words of just a history book, these are words of a living God. And may we know your truth today, Lord, and may we apply it to our life. May we join the mission field with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So we're actually going to start in Matthew 9, verse 35. In Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. So I think we'll have the words up here on the screen here in a second so you can follow along with what I'm reading here. Um, he's, he's distracted by the soundboard back there, but let's get on verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, you've probably heard this before, read it before, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. When's the last time you prayed earnestly for God to send out missionaries? Earnestly. That means to beg God. I'll be honest with you, that's not part of my daily prayer time. But I think it should be, according to what Jesus is telling us here. We should be praying for God to send out workers 
Because the harvest is plentiful. Now that part's super exciting, is it not? That the harvest is plentiful? I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that because we look around and we say, man, we live amongst many that just don't care about God. They don't seem to live, you know, whether they're wearing a cross around their neck or not, it doesn't seem like it when we look around a little bit, when we go into our neighborhoods, when we go into our workplaces, when we go into our schools, it doesn't seem like we're in a place where the harvest is plentiful. But Jesus says it is. And the workers are few. And I wonder if sometimes we don't just take that, that bold step of possibly talking about our faith a little bit, sharing our faith a little bit, and see what God might do. That's why I was never afraid to tell my students, hey, I'm also a pastor. And believe me, just by saying that, the door was opened, and I got asked a lot of spiritual questions. But could you do that in your mission field? I think you can. I think you can do that. I think you can join the mission field. But it starts with prayer. We need to pray. Honestly, prayer is where revivals begin. Prayer is where churches are started, planted. Prayer is where a missionary hears the call. It's where it all begins. Jesus looked at these people. He saw people who were harassed and helpless. They were sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion for them. And he taught his disciples to pray for them. I don't think anybody wakes up one day and says, I want to be a missionary. Who does that? You don't. You pray. And you pray and you pray. And sometimes you pray and you realize, God wants me to be the missionary. And then you're like Moses. Uh, Don't pick me, God. I just don't talk very well. All right? I'm kind of slow with speech. You know, pick somebody else. Pick my brother. (laughs) But God said, no, I've called you. So we got to pray. And when we pray and we hear God's call, God will tell us to go. And then we ask our question, where do we go? And that brings us to the I. Identify. Identify your sheep. Let's look at the next verses, 5 and 6. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing the disciples, go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, if you pull that out of context, boy, are you going to be in some trouble. Because it sounds like Jesus is being racist and discriminating. But he's not. At this point in time, this was the sheep that Jesus wanted his disciples to go to. This was their mission field for this point in time. Because they were Israel. They were Jewish. They were the 12 disciples. 12, of course, always representing the 12 tribes right, of, of, the, of Israel. So Jesus identifies their sheep for them. If you keep reading in the Gospels and you read in the Acts, what is Acts? Acts of the Apostles. They would go to the whole world. They would go to Gentiles and Samaritans. So that's not what it's saying there. But you have to identify your sheep. Who are your sheep? We have some friends Wonderful people. They serve at a church in North Warren. They've been serving there for a very long time. And they have family there. It's a comfortable church. It's a church that has everything that they want. 
But a number of years ago, there was a young guy who felt called to start a new church, a new work in South Warren. Different demographics. And when they heard that this young man wanted to start a new church in South Warren, they prayed and they said, we want to join you. Now you've got to ask yourself, why? Why would they want to leave the comfort of their church, a church that they grew up in, a church that they, were, they, they had friends and family, why would they leave that church and go to a church that's a brand new church? By the way, I've been a part of a couple church plants. This one is, was the beginning church 16 years ago, and I was a part of another one before that. It's not easy to start a new church. We started with 20 people, and now look. Okay, it's, it's not easy, though. You know, that's 16 years later. So as I was talking with them, this young couple, about church planting, and this, this was just, just not even off the ground yet. It was just the, laying the foundation. The wife said something to me that summed it up perfectly why they wanted to go. Because she said to me, these are my people. These are my people. And I understood because her and her husband worked in the public school in South Warren. They were already ministering to these people, loving them, serving them in the school system. And they wanted desperately for them to know their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So to start a church in South Warren was an answer to prayer for them. Because they, they wanted to engage. They were ident- they ident- these were their people. I kind of feel like my story is, is similar in the sense of when I first became a Christian, at the age of 25, I started going to church regularly with my um, fiancé at the time. And they asked me, when you get involved in church and you show a commitment, you know, and you start coming to church regularly, they usually ask you to volunteer. Am I right, Chrissy? Can I get an Amen. Chrissy is our volunteer coordinator, and she will tap on your shoulder and ask you to volunteer. Well, we generally will probably ask you, unless you specify, hey, would you like to be a greeter? Easy job, right? Shake some hands, bump some fists, whatever your COVID comfortability is, all right? You know, it's an easy thing to do, greet. Important job, but it is important. It's something that we do. And I did that. I said, fine, I'll greet. But then I said, hey, can I get involved with the youth group? Well, all youth pastors and youth leaders know that there are not people lining up at the door to help out with the youth group. By the way, we're going on a retreat August 13th, 14th, and 15th. Anybody want a chaperone? Look around. No one's raising their hand. See? That guy's getting up. He's leaving. (laughs) Nobody really wants to help. But listen, if you like teenagers... They're fun, all right? The boys, you know, they don't shower a lot, all right? The girls love drama, okay? It is what it is, right? But if you can get past that, okay, if they're your people. When I was 25, that, that, they were my people because I was already coaching basketball, teenagers. I was around teenagers all the time. I wanted to be around them. I still like him. I have my own smelly boy and my drama teenage uh, daughter, so I still like it. And I'm I'm going on that retreat. Um, 
But who are your people, right? Who, who do you gravitate towards? Who is it easy to spend time with or to connect with? When you identify your people, it's easy then to make the next step or to at least know what this next step is, and that is to engage. You need to engage. That's the E in easy as pie. So you pray, you identify, and then you engage. Jesus said to his disciples in verse 7 of Matthew 10, proclaim, this is what he wanted them to do, proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Now, a lot of people read that and think that when you become a missionary or a pastor or a church staff member or a teacher at a Christian school, you are called to poverty. (laughs) That's not what Jesus is saying here. The Apostle Paul said what Jesus said, the laborer deserves his wages. Pay the preacher, pay the people that serve, that make their full-time vocation ministry. It says pay them. But Jesus also says, you don't need to get rich. You don't need to get rich at it. Think about it. He looked at his disciples and said, boys, you're about to do some miracles, and people are going to want to throw money at you. They're going to want to compromise your calling. And you might be tempted to do that because you know so-and-so's got a lot of money. And you're going to go there and heal them because you think you'll get a bigger payday. That's what Jesus is saying here. Don't do that. Don't get caught up with that. Honestly, I don't really care what you give when you give to Life of Purpose. I just pray you give proportionally, because I think that's what Jesus taught, and I think that's what the Bible teaches, and consistently. Because, yeah, this is my full-time job. And we have other people that we want to bring on staff. We have missionaries that we support. You're going to meet one next month. They're going to come. Our our missionaries from Chad, Africa, that that are in town, they're going to be here. There's 45,000 people that are not in church today. We want to help them get closer to God. All of that takes finances, giving, supporting. So I'm thankful for that. That's part of engaging. Jesus said, whatever town or village you enter, verse 11, find out who is worthy in it. Stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. You ever wonder what it means to shake off your dust? Shake off the dust of your feet? You ever wonder what that, you ever read that and thought, what does that mean exactly? What's that all about? Well, it's it's a cultural thing. So you you come into a new town, a village. You've been walking on dirt roads. They didn't have paved roads back then, okay? So they're dirt roads. You've got sandals because it's a hot climate, and that's what you're wearing. So your feet are disgustingly dirty, all right? 
You, you know what it's like. You, you, you go to the beach, whatever. You, you get dirty feet. You understand. So it's customary then. You come into a town. You knock on the door. And it's customary to invite you in. And your servants are to wash their feet. First thing you do, make them feel comfortable. Wash their feet. Give them something to eat. Offer them a place to stay. That's, that's kind of a cultural, customary thing that they did. And when you do that, when you invite someone into your house and you take care of them, naturally you're going to have conversations with them. So imagine these disciples come into a year, they knock on your door and you're going to invite them in. Well, they're going to have a conversation with you. Jesus said when you talk with them, you're going to share the gospel with them. You're going to tell them about the kingdom of heavens at hand. You're going to tell them that, you know, they need to seek God, repent of their sin, and so on. But if they do that, Jesus says, and they stop opening their door for you. Their servants don't wash your feet anymore. Shake off the dust of your sandals and move on. That's what Jesus is saying. Probably the most difficult decision to make in ministry is knowing when to stay and when to go. It's difficult. And even when you witness to other people, when you share your faith, it's difficult to know when is it time to, well, move on or stop. It's a hard thing to do. We have some friends that are missionaries in the Czech Republic. They've been going to the Czech Republic for years. A number of years ago, I went with them on a summer trip, 10 days in the Czech Republic, and we did a, a camp there. We ministered to about 40 um, Czechs there, and all different ages, adults, kids, and I was in charge of the sports ministry. Shocker, right? And as we ministered to them, and as I got to know kind of the, 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 the ministry there, I, I said, you know, have, have you seen a lot of people come to Jesus? A lot of people, you know, surrender their life, as we sang this morning, surrender all to Jesus. Have you seen that? And they said, not really. It's rocky ground here. You know that parable I just taught on a little while back? Shallow hearts, you know, just kind of living every day, just kind of for the flesh, for the world, you know. And, and so I kind of asked the natural question then, why do you keep coming back, right? And, and the answer was that they were listening to God, and God was calling them to it, and they were seeing a little bit of fruit, you know, a little, little bit of, you know, Things were happening, and, and so they, they keep going back, and, and they'll go back and as much as they can because they're, they're, they're listening to God. Have you ever heard the story of Dr. William Leslie? Dr. William Leslie, in 1912, so we're talking over 100 years ago, he went to the Congo in South America as a medical missionary doctor. And he ended up spending 17 years in the Congo. Now, while he was there, he would travel deep into the jungles and he would share Bible stories in their language and he would talk to them about the importance of education. 17 years there, he headed back to the States. He actually thought and wrote about the fact that he didn't feel like he accomplished anything. He felt like kind of a failure. Well, in 2010, about 100 years after he was there, Eric Ramsey discovered that Dr. William Leslie did not fail because throughout the jungles were reproducing churches in villages. They had their own choirs. 
They wrote their own songs. They even had a 1,000-seat stone cathedral that in the 80s people would walk miles to to worship our God. All because Dr. William Leslie was there. All of those churches trace back their history to one man, Dr. William Leslie. Sometimes it may not feel like you're making a difference, but if you trust God, his word will not come back void. And so it's important not to shake the dust off our sandals a little too soon. I have a good friend, Steve Elliott, pastor in Mount Clemens. He was my mentor when our church began 16 years ago, and I remember him saying, you can't chase people around with the gospel. The harvest is plentiful. So you do have to know when is it time to move on and share the gospel where people are anxiously awaiting to hear the good news. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. We don't have time to waste. Amen? So it's as easy as pie. Pray, identify, and engage. But when you do this, when you join the mission field, you will be persecuted. Jesus went on to say, there will be persecution. Verse 16. In verse 16, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. I was thinking about that in my walk this morning. I was walking the dog around the block, and you know those squirrels. I was going to say, be wise as squirrels. Man, those things are so observant. As soon as my dog gets near them, they're gone. Sometimes I feel like they just mess with her. <laughs> you got a dog and you walk around the neighborhood, you know what I'm talking about. So be wise as serpents or squirrels, innocent as doves. Beware of men, because they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. You'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And when they deliver you over, don't be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say, for you are to say what will be given to you in that hour by the Holy Spirit. It's not you who speak, the Spirit of your Father speaks through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death. Father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. This is serious stuff because of the gospel. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And then he goes on to say in verse 24 and 25, they'll basically call me, If they've called me the devil, Beelzebul, what do you think they're going to call you? What do you think they're going to do to you? Sometimes God calls you to a place that does persecute, kill, martyr you. Jim Elliott is a good example. You may be familiar with the missionary Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott said, though, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim Elliott was called by God to a hostile tribe of Indians in Ecuador in 1956. And at the age of 28, along with four other missionaries, they engaged this tribe of Indians. You can see there's a book, you can watch the movie called The End of the Spear. They were killed with a spear on that beach by these Indians. Their families could have left to never return. 
but instead they engaged because they heard the call as well. And they engaged this tribe of Indians for the next five years and saw many of them come to Christ, surrender their lives. In America, Christians are persecuted. Maybe not martyred. You may not get a spear for your faith in Jesus Christ, but you'll be persecuted. You'll be accused of being narrow-minded, intolerant, judgmental. I made a joke one time at a wedding a long time ago that God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. It went over well with some, but some wasn't too appreciative of that. So I don't make that joke at weddings anymore because it's a sensitive topic these days. So I don't say that. But homosexuality is something that is clearly taught on in the Bible. You know, if if you look at the Scriptures, you don't take it out of context, you'll know the truth about homosexuality. And if you take a stand on the fact that the Word of God says that it's wrong, then you will be persecuted. In fact, just me talking about it today, some may never come back to Life of Purpose Church again. In fact, I got a random call about a month ago from a young woman. She called the church number, in case you didn't hear that today, it's 586-381-4852. It's an important number to put in your phone because, you know, we do have texting to the number for a lot of different things, but she called the number, she pressed the number for the pastor, whatever my number is, I forgot. <laughs> Chrissy's probably one because she's always, you know, taking all the calls, but you, you, she pressed the number, it went to my phone, I answered the phone. Hi, this is Pastor Matt, how can I help you? She said, well, I was wondering, I think I'm a lesbian, will your church accept me? Anybody want to take that call next time, by the way? It was a tough conversation because I wanted it to be a conversation. I didn't want to just tell her, you know, yeah, come on, we'll accept you. Because really what she was asking is, will you accept homosexuality? And I won't because it's not what God teaches in his word. But I wanted to have a conversation with her. I wanted to see where she was at. And so I tried to have the conversation with her and we talked about the Bible being the source of truth, because if I can't establish the, you know, we have to have truth, so, you know, it's, it's not relative truth, it's absolute truth, and we have to start there, and so I started with the Bible, and talked about the Bible, you know, asked her if she read the Bible, and she said she read a little bit, and so on, and, and I said, well, God's word is what should guide our decisions in life. When we make decisions in life, it should be God's word that has the ultimate say, because it's God. He created us. Then we talked about who does God accept? Who does God accept? And her response, not uncommon today, she said God accepts everybody. God loves everybody. Right? We, we, we hear that a lot. We may even think that. God accepts everyone. I said, well, actually, it says that the Bible teaches us and throughout that we've all sinned We've all fall, we all fall short of the glory of God. So it's really the only way that God can accept us is through his son, Jesus Christ, because he died for us. He's, he forgives us. That's, that's the only way we can have acceptance. 
Yes, God loves us all. He created us all. But heaven's a perfect place. And so when I said that, she said, well, she said, yeah, I think God accepts everyone. And then she kind of caught herself a little bit and said, well, you know, the murderers, you know, those really bad people, God won't accept them. So, so even in, she was even struggling, even in her own, you know, thinking of who does God accept. And so, of course, again, tried to help her understand that God doesn't accept anyone without Jesus Christ. Well, once I talked about sin a little bit and how sin is, you know, basically disobeying God, we miss the mark. It's an archer's term, right? Sin is missing the mark. And so we, we, we miss the mark. We, we, we're not perfect. You know, any commandment, you know, thou shalt not lie, right? I mean, all the commandments, we fall short. So we need Jesus. And then I asked the question, do you think homosexuality is a sin? That's where I transitioned to. And then basically, after about 30 seconds of that, she said, you're a homophobe, and she hung up on me. So like I said, anybody want to take that call next time? It's a hard conversation to have. And I would have rather have it in person, but sometimes you just take the opportunities that you have. Persecution is a reality when you take a stand for the truth. Jesus taught us, don't fear the world. In fact, he said, don't fear anyone but one, and that is his Father. Verse 26, he says, Have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who cannot destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I deny deny you before my Father who is in heaven. So we're not to be afraid to speak about our faith. We're not to be fearful of anyone but God. For God loves us. If he loves the sparrows, he loves you. And he knows you. He knows every hair on your head. And don't be a fellow bald guys, okay? He loves us too. All right? He loves us too. You've heard blood is thicker than water. But Jesus goes on to say that the blood of Jesus is thicker than all. Because there's this, this, this family, there's this possibility of family strife because of the gospel, because of the truth, the good news. He says in verse 34, don't think I've come to bring peace to the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And this can be troubling for some, but you have to understand what he's saying here, and I'll help you. It's in verse 38. But he says, I've set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That's not hard sometimes. A person's enemies will be those of his own household. If you love your father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. And if you don't take your cross 
and follow me. You're not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Lots of people say, my priorities are God, family, friends, and so on, right? But do their actions back it up? Because I see a lot of times people put their family in front of God. Right? We see this in the sports world all the time. People have no problem signing up for sports, if it's, even if it's Sunday morning. And they're out on the ball fields supporting their kids on Sunday mornings instead of being here worshiping God. Now, I'm not saying you can't do that once in a while, but I'm saying if you're doing that on a consistent basis, your actions are saying you're putting family in front of God because God wants you to worship with the body of Christ. Jesus said, don't love your parents, your kids, more than you love God. He's not saying fight with your family. He's saying, verse 38, your family should not keep you from following Jesus. It should not keep you from the mission field. Finally, your rewards. This is a really cool part here, Jesus says in verse 40. If you receive, whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. If you give one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. What Jesus is saying here is the missionary that goes to a hostile country and risks his life to minister, if you help that missionary... You send money to that missionary. You pray for that missionary. You do it right here. You sponsor a child. You pray for the staff here at Life of Purpose. You pray for me. You support this church. You will receive the same reward we do. That's what Jesus is saying. And what a privilege it is to join in God's work. So, do you want to join the mission field? Maybe you never thought about it before. Maybe you thought, ah, missions, this is not my thing. Let it be your thing. It's an important thing. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Join the mission field. That's what Jesus is saying to you. And by the way, it's as easy as pie. Pray, identify, and engage. And you can do it right here in your hometown. That's what I did. That's what I do. You can do it right here. And if God calls you somewhere on a mission trip for a short-term, long-term, whatever, look at missions is just ministry in a different place. You're doing the same thing you do here. You're just doing it in a different place. That's all missions is, ministry in a different location. And the best part about joining the mission field is it's a win-win-win because God is glorified, people get saved, and you earn a reward. How can you argue with that? It's a win, win, win. Join the mission field. If you want to make that commitment, get out of your comfort zone a little bit maybe, your connection card, you can write that down in there. You can text me, email me, call. Put it, uh, if you fill out your connection card, put it by the TV back there, because I want to pray for you. I want to help you, you know, move forward. 
And I know our prayer team will pray with you as well. So we're going to sing this final song. Think about making that commitment to join the mission field. God doesn't call you, I don't think, just to sit in the seat every Sunday. God's called you to engage, share your faith, encourage others, build each other up, pray for others, support others financially. There's lots you can do for the kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you much thanks, Lord, for all you've done so far in my life and in the life lives of so many here. God, I see you working. I see all you're doing. And God, maybe what we need to see this morning and over the next week or two, maybe we just need to see where that harvest is plentiful. God, I ask that you would show us individually as a church, as small groups, I pray that you would show us where you are busy at work, where people are hungry for truth. That they want to know you more. And I pray, Father, we can help them. We can join you in your work. We can go where you call us to go. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone says,